Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm starting a new series today on the, on the pursuit for maturity. During these two weeks away, I've had a chance to spend multiple, multiple hours in prayer and study of God's Word. I've had an opportunity to pursue after the subject of this series in uh, a way that's been very intense and very enjoyable. The thing that I'm learning that I want to pass on to you that are believers and then to those of you that are not believers, for you to understand what it means to be a believer, that there is something much, much more than just salvation when it comes to being a child of God. A while ago, we sang a song. It's a beautiful song. The church has sung it all my lifetime. I have decided to follow Jesus. If I were to ask you, how many of you have actually made that decision? Many hands would go up. I have decided to follow Jesus. Now, by the same token, let me ask you, if you were to raise your hand, do you know what that means? I have decided to follow Jesus. I want you to think about it just a moment. If you were to go, and when you come to the Christmas story, you'll see what we're talking about. But isn't it cute, the little baby born in Bethlehem in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger? I mean, that's just uh, fuzzy beautiful, all Births of babies is a very special time. But I've decided to follow Jesus. Oh, yes, when he was a teenager, he went to the temple. He astounded the, the lawyers and the doctors, and they were amazed at how smart he was, and he was just so very, very special. And, uh, but would you follow him any further? Would you go about as he had no place to, to lay his head and how he would, went out and he healed the sick and, and he would comfort those that needed comforting? But... Have you decided to follow Jesus to the rest of the story? One day he was betrayed. One day he was nailed to a cross. One day he was executed, crucified for fulfilling the will of the Father. Is that the track you're on? For many, if you were honest, you'd say, quite frankly, no. I have decided to be born again and just stay a baby. And when I'm a baby, I know, you know, that my name is Jimmy and what are you going to give me? I want to have a lot of attention. I want to have, I want to be the center of attraction. I want what I want when I want it, the way I want it. If not, I will throw a holy fit. And I want to just go do the things as children do. And when I get to be a teenager, I want to be rebellious. I want to be rebellious against my father. No, 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 no. If you decided to follow Jesus, he said, not my will. Father, but thine be done. You know the story. So this, this series is about that. I want you to know that on the way to the sweet by and by, there's a, Latin, there's a lot of nasty now and now. And some of you haven't been there yet, but if you follow Jesus, you're going to be there. And God has a beautiful teaching in his word. It's going to take me several Sundays to show it to you. We'll learn together. So today... I want to start us moving towards maturity. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want you to open your Bible and then stand out of respect to the reading of the Word. I want to read nine verses, and then I'm going to turn to the third chapter and read you one verse. 
Listen very carefully as Paul is writing to a church in a town called Corinth. Corinth was a city a whole lot like Houston, Texas. Had the same kind of culture, same kind of temptations, same kind of sin problems uh, that we're facing today. It could have been written to Houston. It was written to Corinth. But listen to what he says. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sothenus, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything you're enriched by him, in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you are called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. One verse out of the third chapter, verse 1. Three chapters into the scripture. You've heard some things about who Christians are. We'll get there in just a minute, but listen to what he says. Notice how things change and I Paul brethren calls of brothers could not speak unto you as unto spiritual but as unto carnal even as unto babes in Christ father I pray you'll bless this scripture give us maturing minds open hearts receptive ears in Jesus name amen would you be seated I want to say to you that we make a tragic mistake today. I don't care what generation you're in. If we believe that what the scripture said 2,000 years ago to common people like us is not relevant today. We make a tragic blunder if we buy into that satanic-led uh, philosophy of the fact that times have changed from the days of Jesus and where that might have been wrong then, it's not wrong any longer because culture has changed and you've got to live now in this century. You cannot live in the first century. You must be in the 21st century. <clears throat> I want to tell you that is very, very dangerous thinking. To believe that what God said to the church at Corinth, he would not say to us. But I want to encourage you to hear what he said to the church at Corinth. And I want you to start off seeing what Jesus said about his kids. Then I want you to think about what the world is saying about those that claim to be children of God today. The church at Corinth faced all the worldly challenges of their generation and the church today faces all the worldly charges and temptations of this generation. Satan attack them and Satan attacks us note what verse 2 says that is so beautiful unto the church of God that's number one we're the church of God unto them that are sanctified in Christ we are sanctified in Christ number three we are called to be saints 
Those are the three things that Jesus said about us. When he established his church, he says, you are going to be the church of my father. You are going to be sanctified in Christ Jesus. In other words, the changes that are going to take place are because of Jesus. And you are called out into your generation to be saints. Now, if we're not careful, what we as Christians will think is, well, you know what? I think that makes me pretty good. I'm a member of the church of God. I'm sanctified in Christ Jesus. I'm called to be saints. And we look at ourselves based on what God intended for us to be. But then Paul comes along and he slaps us in the face in three chapters. And he says to that church who this is their description. This is the way God sees them. However, because of what was going on in their life, he said, you're babes in Christ. You're carnal. And it's very difficult for you to understand that the reason that the gospel is not just exploding is because you have become sanctified, self-righteous saints in your own mind. But you have not become sanctified because of the blood of Jesus to the point that you are not mature enough to see how the world sees you. I do not care whether you're a child, whether you're a teenager, whether you're a young adult, whether you're married or single. It makes no difference. God sees us as his church sanctified and called, but the world does not see the church any longer like the Father sees us. They see us as being just like them. They look at us and they say, you know what? I hear your talk but I don't see your walk. They say, I don't see you any different as a business person. I don't see any different as a parent. I don't see you any different as your priorities. I don't see you any different the way you raise your children, the way you handle your finances, how you choose your priorities, how you deal with sin. I don't see you any different. That's what the world says. But God is saying, because you have been born again, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. But if you'll look very, very closely, and if you will think with me, we have been made holy in the sight of God, but we have chosen to remain little immature babies spiritually. Let me give you a quote from author John Hunter. He says, we are saints, not because of the quality of lives that we live, but because of the quality of the death that Jesus died. Now, here's the difference. We are all those good things that God said because of him, not because of works of righteousness, which we have done, the Old Testament says, but by his stripes, we have been healed. But by being healed... We are told throughout all of the scriptures that we're not to stay little babies. Now, when you'll have your first baby, I, I dedicated one a while ago that's going to be born on Thursday. Now, I can guarantee you the cameras will be flashing. The parents will feel like they have raised the second sinless child and that they have 
something that's going to bring joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. And they're going to look and give out cigars or whatever they do and have no idea. Have no idea of what the future holds. Here's the problem. Listen to me carefully. God sees us that are born again one way. Listen, but the world sees us another way. That should scare you. Because the world looks through physical eyes. And they say, I see your selfishness. I see your greed. I see your lust. I see what attracts you. I see the way you dress. I see the way you talk. I see the way you think. I see what, what is really important to you. And it's the same thing that's important to me. The only difference between you and me is you claim to be a child of God. You claim to be a sanctified in Christ Jesus, born again. You claim to be called to be a saint. I don't see you that way. Well, why don't they see us that way? Why is it that we can look at a scripture like in, in that third chapter of verse 1? Look what it says in verse 3. Chapter 3, verse 3. For you are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying, strife, and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? He says you envy. In other words, that is your operation of your thought processes. He says you're in strife. That's the way you live day by day, fighting, fussing, can't get along with people, can't get along with your mate, can't get along with your brother and sister, have trouble with your friends, have all kinds of trouble with authority. Then he talks about deeds, which is the things we do. Your deeds are, are your operation. What you do every day is not any different. Not any different. All the things that the church every week is praying that God would get rid of and change in America if the Christians would quit participating, it'd be over with in six months. Maybe in a week. But as long as the Christians keep doing it, all of those places will stay open. All those situations will be the same. That's what the scripture is teaching us. A new birth. Born again. We've got a new opportunity. We can start over again. Now your little child can't start over again. Don't you wish they could? Don't you wish you could just say, okay, today... It's your first week. Next week, you'll be six. I only want that for three days. Then you can be 14 or whatever. One day will be enough of that, you know. But it's going to keep moving you along. It's not like that. But spiritually, we are born again, and old things pass away, and all things become new. But then we start growing. He says, well, I'm first going to give you milk. Then I want to feed you the meat. The many believers can't handle the meat of the word. They get mad. They storm out. They write letters, they, they boycott, they do all kinds of things because they're a bunch of self-righteous religious people that have the same attitude about the things they disagree with as the world does, and they just find themselves doing what the world does every day, and the world just laughs at us. But you know what? When they see a real Christian, that's a real thing that stands a close-up test. Then you begin to see the power of God at work. We're saved by the blood of Jesus the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin and the blood of Jesus flows through those that have been born again and those 
that are redeemed. You see, these people in Corinth, everything they had came from God. Just like what we have, life, your family. Think of all the things God chose. They all come from God. But they had achieved nothing for God. All they did was just like little babies. Give me, give me, give me. I want to eat, I want to eat now. If not, I'm going to start crying. But what have you done for Christ? This life is brief, as one writer wrote it, not in the Bible, but later on. This life is but brief and soon will be passed, and only what's done for Christ is going to last. How much are you involved in that? How much are you involved in others? How easy is it for you to say, Father, forgive them as they persecute me, for they know not what they're doing. How easy is that for you? Now be honest about it. What about if your flesh is saying, but I want to, if it feels good, I do it. And then uh, something comes down in front of you that stops you and say, no, I cannot do that. I know because the word of God says this is not pleasing in my sight. How do you handle that? Do you believe that it is the best thing to do? It's just, uh, I'm just going to show you how tough I am. How sad it is when a young teenager wants to be like the world to prove something to the world. The only thing you prove to the world is you're just like them. That's all you prove. And how wonderful it is when a teenager stands up for God and lives long enough to see what a great thing God will do in the life of anybody that says, Lord, come into my life. Lord, you said you would not withhold any good thing from me. I'm not doing very good on my decisions. Come into my life. Oh, what a difference. Well, how about you? How are you doing? How are you handling things? How do you handle temptation? How easy is it for you to do right on purpose? Do right on purpose. That's called character. That's knowing what you're going to do before the temptation ever comes. You know what you're going to do. If someone asks you to be immoral with them, how quick does it take you to say no? This body's not my own. It was bought with a price. Jesus owns this body. You'll have to ask him. If he gives permission, we'll discuss it. But he doesn't ever change his mind. He says abstain from fornication. He says thou shalt not commit adultery. But we struggle with that continually. But when that little baby comes into life, the household, the first one especially, they're the second, the second child born without sin. And will never commit any. Man, we make pictures of them. We're running around showing everybody the pictures. Oh, did you see my grandbaby? Have you seen my baby? Have you done this? Have you done that? I'm just as bad as all of you. And they're saying, get over it. You know, well, have, you, have I showed you the pictures of my baby flying on an airplane? Have I showed you the picture of my grandchild? No, and I thank you. That's the kind of response that you get. But you see, there is God has a hope and a plan for all of us and if we will walk in obedience to him, he'll fight our fights for us and he will re replace the counterfeit with the real thing and you just look around and those of you that are young, look to those that are older that have walked with God and see what God has brought into their life because of their obedience by abstaining from the appearance of evil and doing what God wants them to do. Those little children come, they don't clean up their messes, they make messes and... Just say, you clean it up. You know, I'm down here at the police station. Daddy, you come get me. Call a lawyer and get me out of here. Get somebody to write a letter for me. 
come get me. They picked on me. I wasn't doing anything, Daddy. I was just out with a bunch. Just got in the wrong crowd. Well, you know what? When you grow up, you don't get with that crowd. You get with the right crowd. And then when God blesses the right crowd, you can get up and kind of half take credit for it. Say, so, oh, as I was there, all I know is I just had a great time on that mission trip. And I hope every one of our teenagers, before they get out of high school, go on one of our mission trips and see the rest of the world. We think if one day our kids are going to take care of us. <laughs> That's funny, isn't it? Now it's funny, you know. That just keeps you from crying. <laughs> but the point is, when anything hinders normal growth and maturity in the life of a child, we're concerned about it. Anytime you see your child, the teacher writes, we feel like they have a problem, ADD, whatever it might be. You're concerned about it, rightfully so. But what about where somebody like Paul writes a letter and says, you've got a problem. What are you going to do about it? If the eyes are bad, you want to go and get the eyes fixed. The teeth are bad, I want to get it in the teeth. If there's something wrong with the body, I want to get it fixed. That's in a physical world. But how about spiritually? When Paul says there's some, something wrong with you and I'm going to point it out. There is, there, is no, there is no flattery in somebody telling you you're just a big old baby. Now, when you're 50 years old, somebody said, you're just a big old baby. Man, that wipes out about 40 years of your life. Man, you mean in 40 years, I'm still a baby. You sure are. You've got to have your way. You want to be with one of the bunch? You don't want to be anything other than draw attention to yourself? And a lot of folks say, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to go to heaven when I die. I know I'm forgiven. That's good, and you are. Like what God said about it. The church of God, sanctified in Christ, and you're one of the saints. You're forgiven. But when are you going to serve? When are you going to serve? When are you going to grow up? When are you going to quit and say, let me take out the garbage. Let me mow the yard. Let me wash the dishes. Let me teach in Bible school. Let me go on a mission trip. Let me get involved in a Project 77089. Let me get involved with my student ministry and go out and be what God wants me to be in order that I can touch young people that haven't had the advantage I've had of learning about Jesus early in my life. But you can't have any impact on the world until you come out from the world and are separate, not self-righteous, but you understand that if I get far away from God, I'm going to have trouble. And therefore, I'm going to study to show myself approved unto God, workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The sacrifice that we make with Jesus does not compare to the awesome destruction of the altars of worldly pleasure. I have spent my life dealing with people young and old who've destroyed their body physically, their health because of sin. I have seen minds become dormant before they ever reach their 20th birthday and a whole lot of them before they reach their 40th birthday. They don't think anymore. They're just already in the flow. If everybody's doing it, I'm going to do it. I've watched children become rebellious that even grew up in wonderful Christian homes. I've seen the finances of God's kids evaporate because they don't understand. They, they do not understand financially how the world is raping them of what they have. Their health, their strength, their genuine relationships, 
The list goes on and on. To go. Why? Because they're still looking through the eyes of a baby and not through the eyes of a maturing young person growing into adulthood and coming out and being what God wants them to be. Philippians 1, 6 says, Being confident in this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What a great joy it is when you're a teenager, when you've known Jesus as a child, and you know God has your steps planned. He's going he's to pick your vocation. He, he will. Your mate. You've already picked him as your master. Now he's your master. He'll pick your mate. He will, he will take care of you because he has a plan for you. But in order to do that, you're going to have to say no to the world and not become one of the world and then try to spend 20 years picking up the pieces. That's maturity. Mature people don't do things that immature people do. Listen, when you get on the Houston freeway on a motorcycle and drive 150 miles an hour, you're loco in the cabeza. <laughs> when you listen to Charles Krauthammer, if you don't know who he is, some of you do, some of you don't. Did you see a story this week on the news? When he was a young man, he went out and acted crazy one day, jumped off one of the smartest minds of our generation, hit his head on the swimming pool. He said, because of my medical training at Yale University, I knew I was paralyzed for life. That's been almost 50 years ago. Being crazy, acting a fool. Some girl was watching. I was going to be cool. That's immaturity. Yeah, but if you do the other thing, they'll talk about you. That's what they did about Jesus. When they went to the cross, they were mocking, they were railing, they were making fun of him. And what did Jesus say? Father, Forgive them. They don't understand what's going on. I love them. I don't want you to execute them. They're executing me. I died for them. I love them. That's the kind of God we have. Well, in that dark city, God spoke. He wants to speak to Houston. He wants to speak to our teenagers, our young adults, our single adults, our married adults. But he comes out. He says in the book of James, it says, Be doers of the word. Not hearers only. Salvation is not the end. It is a beginning. But you see what happens so many times is that people come into what's going on in this world and they make some terrible, terrible, terrible mistakes. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, I bring this message to a close. Listen to this. Now he's talking to church people. He's talking to church teenagers, church young adults, church middle-aged adults, church single adults. He says, it is reported commonly among you. There's fornication among you. And such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. And you're puffed up. And you have not rather mourned that he hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I verily as absent in the body to be present in the spirit. He says, you won't believe this. He says, there in the church, fornication, that's sex outside of marriage. He already said in the, in the commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. I am told as a senior adult that it's a common thing today for young people to just feel no, nothing barred. That may be the thinking of the world, but this body is a temple of God. Don't defile it. Girls and guys, Protect your body. Don't get a sexually transmitted disease. Don't find yourself out there as a trophy on some boy's
trophy room wall. You know, men are hunters. They say, I'm going to get as many girls as I can, hang them in the trophy room. It's like, let me show you pictures of all my trophies. You say, no, mm -mm. this body is the temple of God. I'm going to walk with God. And you see what God brings into your life. It will be far beyond anything that you can imagine. But you've got to grow up. You can't be like the people of Corinth that said, no, I'm just going to do what everybody else does. You can't do that. So you look around today at this world and then look at the church. Is there a difference? If there's not, what would happen if there was? What would happen? We can't just know the word of God. We've got to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. We've got to be evidence that Jesus changes lives. The unbelieving pagan world would be astonished if they could see the church people handling sin, sorrow, turmoil, loss, adversity in a different way than they see it. They would be astonished. Yesterday I had the privilege, one o'clock, of doing a wedding. It was a renewal. Thirteen years, this beautiful couple were married. Dad, the husband didn't know the Lord. Policeman, tough job. Thirteen years, three children in the family, they got a divorce. He was not a believer. I'm just telling you his testimony. She, she was. But in the midst, she kept praying for him. One day, he stepped in to Sage Mount Church. He heard a message. I don't know who the preacher was. It doesn't make any difference. The message was from the Word of God. He heard a message. He gave his heart to Christ. Instantaneously, he was born again. Instantaneously. And at the same time, God reached over and touched the wife and said, you got a new husband. They got together. They couldn't believe each other. It was one of the most emotional, meaningful Tears coming down the eyes of the husband and the wife and me. And I was the only one at the wedding. And we were in the little chapel. And when it's over with, they stayed. And we talked and we shared. And all that they said was, here's the difference. This man came searching. He came into a church where something or someone touched his life. And he saw something is different among these people. And that's what I'm missing. And just like this, he was born again. And just like that, he became a new person. And he started growing in the Lord. And now the Lord has put them back together until death do they part. Now that's what this is all about. That's what it's all about. It is not about the way we do things. It's what God is allowed to do in our midst. I'm telling you, folks, this world is hurting. You can have all the money in the world. Just look at all the rich kids, inherited millions of dollars. Just a few months ago, we were seeing the richest man in Brazil. Worth over $100 million. No, I think it's over $400 million. Going to be the richest man in the world. Married a playmate bunny. Left his family. This week, he declared bankruptcy. Look at the stories of kids that are born with a silver spoon in their mouth. 
that believe they can do anything they want to because of who they are and how much money they have and how infamous they are. Watch what happens to them. And then watch the life of an humble saint that just grows little by little by little by little because we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. So I give you last scripture and we must go. And so, let me give you two. Psalm 139, 14. I will, this is David. David said, I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knoweth right well. And then listen to Galatians chapter 6. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit have life and reap life everlasting. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. My dear friend, if you've asked Jesus in your heart and you've been born again, yes, you have salvation. Yes, when you die, according to the promise of God's word, you can spend eternity with him. But there's a whole lot of heaven on the way to heaven, and you're missing it all. You don't want to have to shame and weep and say, I never offered myself to you, Lord. I never tried to grow. I embarrassed you on many occasions, and a lot of people are in hell because of my life, because they didn't think I had anything because I was so convinced that I had to live like them. But dear God, I love you and I know you love me. But please, please don't meet the Lord like that. Just say, such as I have, give I unto thee. The longer you serve him, the sweeter he'll grow. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Please, nobody looking around, nobody moving. One of the things about little children are they don't care about anybody but themselves. They don't care what they disturbed. Little kids go to weddings and funerals, and little babies cry, and mama just sits there with them, lets them cry. It's sad. But it's so far worse when people come to church and people are there. You don't know who's in this building right now. I just talked to a lady whose husband got saved five weeks ago, or, or a friend got saved five weeks ago. He brought her to church today. Their middle life, tears running down her face when she came to see me a while ago, and she got saved because. This man that she knew's life was so dramatically changed. Hers was changed today. That's what we're talking about. But babies, get up, move around. Don't care who they start. I ask you to be real quiet. We're going to sing one verse. Brother Bill's going to lead us in this song. When we sing this song, now here's what I'm going to invite you to do. I'm going to invite you to just get up and go out those doors right there. If you go out the door to my right, turn left. If you go out the left, turn right into that connection center. If you want someone to pray with you to give your heart to Jesus, they're going to be waiting for you. It's an instantaneous, it's a new birth. You're born again. If you want to join this church, you can do that. And I want you to, to do that. But everyone else, I want you to be still for one more minute. And I want you to pray for these folks. They're all over this building. I've met several today that have told me this is the first time I've been in church, one from a different country in years. Maybe the Holy Spirit, this is their moment. Maybe they didn't come to Houston for vacation, but they came and got saved. So would you just quietly stand? Nobody moving out of this building, just stand, except those that have, are going to, to talk and pray with those going to the counseling center. Just stand.
I'm going to pray. If God speaks to you and says, this is your day. But those of you that are standing say, I've already had my day. I've been born again. Would you let that be an altar? And you, would you pray for God to grow, start growing you up? Come back next Sunday. I'm going to show you some specific, vivid examples of the message today. But I want you to be real serious, real mature. You know this world is out to destroy you and everybody you know. But let this be your moment of saying, I'm going to start growing. I'm going to forsake those things which are behind. I'm going to move forward to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Dear God, please, God, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the blood, I rebuke Satan from this building. May right now these that stand in humility and in sincerity hear your voice speak to them and say, this is for you. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org. Learn in the days to come how we can be more like you. What's the key? What's the secret?